0: Hey, this is Zach Slobin, and if you want to learn the six- and seven-figure science to success, significantly increase your revenue, and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my very good friend, Stacey O'Byrne.
1: If you're ready to get out of your own way, to follow the seven-figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness.
2: I'm really excited to get into today's episode. And really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business and your success, or maybe you just want more, and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your income, and your success to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a personal phone call with me to see if we're a great fit for each other. All right, let's do this. Today, I'm speaking with a really good friend of mine, a long-term friend of mine, Zach Slobin. Zach is madly in love with his wife, a natural philosopher, and we'll get into that a little bit deeper, and a producer of his own life. These three things pretty much sum up Zach Slobin and his insatiable desire to knock, question the everyday rules, and then bend life to create massive freedom, joy, and abundance. After weathering life's natural ups and downs, being lost and finding his purpose and navigating through the inevitable entrepreneurial storms, amen to that. He can tell you the stories of hitting several physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial bottoms. He's the athlete who almost went pro, but severe injuries kept him from his dream. He's the top guy who walked away from a good corporate job and the money because it was suffocating. He's the man who wouldn't settle until he found his soulmate. And I can't wait for you to hear that story. And he's the entrepreneur who was so committed to excellence, he created financial freedom in his early 30s. Grateful for the lessons all the losses have taught him. One thing is for sure, he can show you how to play the game of life and win it. As a master speaker, trainer and coach, Zach's greatest thrill in life is showing people how to go from where they are to where they deserve to be by removing the BS lies. They tell themselves so they can be, do, and have anything they deserve. Zach, welcome to the show.
0: Well, thank you for having me. I was so uh, really deeply honored and touched when you reached out to me to be a guest on this. So thank you.
2: You know what, Zach, it's my honor and privilege. I have known you for, wow, almost 15 years, give or take. It's been a long time and we've both been through a lot (laughs) this journey of entrepreneurism has been really really crazy and you know when i met you you were this college kid skinny jeans (laughs) and a philosophy major right
1: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah and um and i remember i remember connecting with you you were almost almost young enough to be my kid Almost, not quite though. <laughs> and if I would have started at a really early age, there was a possibility. But there was just something about uh, the connection I had with you. So, how does a philosophy major end up an entrepreneur?
0: I think it's more that an entrepreneur ended up as a philosophy major. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I really do. I, uh, you know, I uh, I knew from a really young age that. That I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I tell the story often where it was that day in class with the teachers, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And everybody was like, oh, I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, an astronaut, a ballerina. And I remember saying, well, I want to be a professional athlete, but I also know that I want to do a lot of things at one time. I always knew that I was kind of psychologically unemployable, if you will. And so when I went to college, I went to college with the idea that I'd be playing soccer. That was really my intention. And I, and I, when I went to college with the idea, I'd be playing soccer but I got hurt in college and it was really time for me to declare a major. And the college I was at, UC Santa Barbara, didn't have anything outside of business economics classes. That was it because the UC system, most of their schools don't have business marketing classes, or at least they didn't back in the day. It was a focus on economics. And I had no interest in being coming in a CPA or doing anything in that world. And so my mom said to me, she goes, hey, look, she goes, you're a great writer. Have you considered... know maybe being an english major and i said ah that doesn't sound too good to me well i had taken a philosophy class and i was like well this is interesting and and i liked the idea of learning how to create arguments i liked the idea of understanding how to distill logic i loved conversations on morality and ethics but more than anything i think what hooked me by philosophy is i was really a seeker by the time I was 10 years old, I was starting to ask very big existential questions, questions about God, questions about life, questions about why we are here, questions about you know, nature and religion and spirituality. And so philosophy just seemed like a really natural kind of fit for me with no intention other than, well, I have to major in something. I don't know how many of my classes I'm gonna to go to in the first place. So if I'm gonna read something in college, it might as well be something I find at least somewhat entertaining and interesting. So that's really how I became a philosophy major.
2: Nice. So so you brought up your mother and, and I'd like to dive into that really quick because the one thing that I always admired about you is your relationship with your mother. She's been a phenomenal supporter of you through your journey. How has your mother molded your ability to achieve success today?
0: In every way imaginable.
2: Hmm.
0: In every way imaginable. I'm really fortunate. My mom's a very, very successful psychotherapist in Los Angeles, she has been for over 40 years now. And I'm really fortunate to have had a model of a person who taught me what it means to suit up and boot up every single day, no matter what's happening in the world. That no matter how much trauma you might be experiencing, no matter what kind of crisis you think you're in, you're always in control of the ability to just put one foot in front of the other. And I watched her. I, I watched her weather multiple storms in her life. I watched her weather two, you know, two separate divorces between my dad and then my stepdad. I watched her uh, deal with a debilitating illness that we thought was going to kill her. You know, I watched her. I watched her handle so much stuff with an attitude of one of my personal mantras, which is, so what, now what? So what now what? You know, and so I think the way that she molded me from a tenacity perspective um, is undeniable. But I think the greatest gift that my mom gave me was really teaching me, and it's actually great because it's so much what your podcast is about and selling without you know without selling is she taught me the, the value of human connection and she taught me the value of compassion and empathy and being willing to really shut up and listen so hard that it hurts to really seek to understand other people in this world. And she really helped to more than shape me, she started to help chip away at my ego. And I certainly had a big one for sure. Um, so I think in that way, she was fundamental uh, in, in, in that part of my success, really focusing outward, And trying to help identify how I can identify with other people in this world that are experiencing as many challenges that I might be experiencing as well. So I think she was always just to bring, always able to bring and still does just bring a context to the world that helps me make better decisions.
2: Love it. So the reason why I asked the question about your mother is I have always admired your relationship with her and you know, the, the science I study, neurolinguistics programming. I know that our entire life is a program that we run, whether we know it or not. And what most people don't understand is we're the author of our story and we can edit the direction the story goes every second of every minute. And the, the framework, the program that she gave to you was such a gift. And the beautiful thing is you knew it. That's what I... So, so, so I'll tell you the moment I instantly connected with you and I don't know if you're gonna remember this. You were up in front of the room. We were at an event and I can't remember what event it was. I, it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was an event on, on a Friday and you were in front of the room with two other guys and the three of you were talking and you introduced yourself. One of the guys introduced himself as a closer and you introduced yourself as an opener. And I knew right there and then I loved you. <laughs> so, and then after getting to know you and talking with you and just how much you reflected on your relationship with your mother, it just became very, very clear, the imprint that was installed in you, and how you deployed on a continual basis and it's made you the man you are today and I commend you for that and she's in a, in a remarkable woman and I hope one day I get to meet her.
0: Me too. Me too. She...
2: So. So let's talk about this, this journey because you know, we've known each other through ups and downs and this pandemic has, has pulled the rug out of a lot of people's security and stability, right? Mm-hmm. And, and just because circumstances change doesn't mean that things can or will go bad, right? Environments happen, circumstances happen. And when you're in the crux of it, It may feel painful, it may look painful, you may think it's painful, and reality is it's just preparing you for your what's next, and I think so many people out there hear the zero to hero stories, the outhouse to penthouse stories, and and then the itty-bitty shitty committee kicks in, the bully in the brain starts beating the crap out of them that the reason why other people can do it is because dot, dot, dot. So just like I had a couple really tough blows, you have to mm. so I'd love for you to share your journey of entrepreneurism with our listeners if you're okay with that
0: Sure yeah so it really starts when I was um, I was living in San Francisco and I was working in media and marketing sales just as a stopgap and I got recruited actually by a I got recruited by a woman who was playing with some new equity, finance, insurance type stuff. And she basically recruited me to start a new wing of her company, a new division of her company. And I was like 23 or 24 years old. And it was this, you know, penthouse office in San Francisco in the financial district. And I'm like bragging about it to all my friends. I'm like, mom, I made it. I'm, you know, look, my business card says president. My mom's like, don't get taken by this person. You know nothing about her. And I was like, no, it's all good. And I started building this business with her and we had a handshake agreement. And, uh, the agreement was that she'd pay me a very small kind of little salary to help build the business. And then I'd get 10% of any policies that I brought in Mm. and about two days before Christmas that year, she calls me in her office. And this is after nine months of doing business briefings, luncheons, whining and dining clients, the whole, the whole deal. And she brings me in, she goes, hey, I just wanted to write you a little something to get you through the holidays. And I'm thinking she's going to write me in advance on a policy that I'm meant to close in about two weeks after the new year. It's a $2 million policy. And so she takes out her checkbook and she starts to write two, zero, zero. And she stops at $200, <laughs> slides <laughs> the check across the table and says, thanks, bud. Thanks, kid. You're out. I said, what? She oh, said, yeah. no. I said, but we had an agreement. She said, no, we had a handshake.
1: Said,
0: oh, okay. So that's how that's, that was my first big play in the world of uh, entrepreneurship. Mm. And you know, I used to tell the story that, well, she took advantage of me and she manipulated me and this, that, and the other. And I played the victim, which is in the context of what you're talking about right now anyway.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The accountable version of the story is, I didn't have a contract. I didn't have an agreement, I had nothing in writing. I was a bright eyed, bushy tailed kid who had dollar signs that blinded everything that I did and every choice that I made. So that's how I got into it. And um, that, that was the beginning of my entrepreneurial endeavor. If you take out the, uh, let's say gray area businesses that I played in, in the college space, if you, if you don't include those, <laughs> that was my first, you know, taste of the real business world. And so that's how it all started for me, really, was that big experience with her and i uh i got up i left her office i said i don't need your money bold as could be tear up the check you know literally the whole thing like a movie like i don't need your money and i throw it in the air and i went home and i uh packed a bowl and i got as high as you can possibly imagine smoked a lot of weed that day and i uh said to my i said to my mom i was like look i'll just figure it out and she says why don't you just come home come down to la let's kind of talk about what's next for you. And I said, okay. So I grabbed a book because I, I like to read and I grabbed a book and the book was called Ask and It's Given by Abraham. Yep. And I had never heard of this before. In fact, for a while, and this is a great story behind the story, I didn't even know how I'd gotten the book. I forgot how the book had even arrived on my shelf and I'll come back to it if I remember. But I start reading about source energy and the law of attraction and what you focus on expands and you create your world, just like you were talking about. You have these programs and these tapes. And I'm sitting here going, like, oh my God. And so my whole world starts to open up. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I, I'll never forget. I, I, I fell asleep on the plane. I landed at Burbank Airport. The, the tarmac jolts me awake. And I feel this overwhelming sense of calm and peace come over me. Like everything's mm-hmm. gonna be okay. I'm loved. I'm complete the universe takes care of me right all this stuff that it just infiltrated my, my, my body cellularly mm-hmm. so I walk in my mom's house I'm like mom don't worry I'm <laughs> <in> fine <Long> law <laughs> traction what I focus on expands I create my reality now again my mom is a traditional psychotherapist so uh-huh. she's like well that's great honey but I think we need to process some of these things. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, we don't need to process anything. I was like, I'm good. I was like, I'm just gonna go back to San Francisco. I'm gonna get a, I'll just get a job selling something. I'll make a little bit of money. I'll get back on my feet. No big deal, mm-hmm. cool. get back on my feet. I go into, a, I'm working a telemarketing job, just selling and I get introduced to a guy who says, hey buddy, he goes, you don't belong here. He goes, you're a really sharp guy. I'm looking at a business. I think you'd be great at it. Will you come take a look at it with me? And I said, sure. So I go with them to San Jose. They start dishing coffee around the room. They said, this is the product that we want to sell. It's coffee. It's from seven different countries in Africa, blah, 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 blah. And we're going to distribute it using multi-level marketing. And I'm like, mm, you are going to distribute it using multi-level marketing. <laughs> I am not going to distribute anything at all. Because I'd watched my dad suffer in that industry for a bit. Mm-hmm. And so I threw my hands up and I said, no. I said, I'm going to be a real entrepreneur. But, you know, multi-level marketing is not real business. Because I had a story about it.
2: Yeah.
0: So, the guy pulls me aside that day, Stacy, and he says, You don't know this yet, but you have the power to be one of the most influential networkers I've ever met in my life. So, go home, and do your research. And if you really understand what this business model is all about, and you still decide it's not for you, then no big deal with part as friends. So, I said, that's fair, that's fair enough. So, I went home, and I did all the research, and I actually fell in love with the business model. And I said, Okay, let's do this. And six months in, our CEO took off with the money. So those network marketing horror stories that you hear about. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm over for 2. Now I'm 0 for two. Mm-hmm. 0 for 2. Not doing so well in my entrepreneurial <laughs> journey. 0 for 2. Egg on my face, my family, my friends, everyone saying, you got to get a job, you got to do it normal, blah, 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 give up this pipe dream. My ex fiance at the time, mm-hmm. Zach, get your crap together, you got to get a job or else. I said, OK. I go on Craigslist, I'm looking for a job. Sure enough, I see a little link that says whatever it said. And I was like, oh God, don't click on this link. I know it's not, (laughs) don't Don't click that link, Zach, don't do it. I clicked the link. Yeah. Three days later, I'm at a business presentation for an opportunity that's like a $20,000 investment. I had like $300 to my name at the time. and uh, But I got inspired because I'm an opportunity seeker and I'm willing to roll the dice. So I raised $20,000. I joined that business uh, and I had a pretty good amount of success. I think by the time I was you know, 25, 26 years old, I think I'd made my first like quarter million dollars in that business or something along those lines. But that business was tied to the real estate market. So in 2008, 2009, market came crashing down and I came crashing down with it. And uh, my ex and I blew through about $80,000 in a six month period of time. And uh, two weeks after the save, the date invitations had been sent out um, to our wedding. Uh, we called it all up. And next thing I know, I'm living on my mom's couch, dead broke, without a penny to my name. And I'm 0 for 3 at that point. So even though I'd made good money, I blew it all. Um, it's right around the same time you and I met, I believe. Right that Yeah, window. because I
2: knew your ex. I knew yeah. your ex, so yeah.
0: Yep, and um, so that was over for 3. And uh, then I started doing some consulting work here and there. Um, I started my own business. I was doing online branding and marketing for, for a couple of years, really staying away from network marketing. And then I met my wife and she sucked me back in because I shared some (laughs) products with her. And uh, that was eight years ago. And uh, things have changed dramatically since then, along with some other businesses that we've we've gotten involved in. Uh, But yeah, to say I've had some offers would be an understatement, you know, Mm -hmm. to say I've gotten beat up would be fair for sure. Um, But that's, that's most of it. I'm happy to kind of deep dive into any of those pieces that you would like, but that's kind of the 50,000
2: foot view. of the Yeah, no, I love it. So, so I would like to deep dive uh, on one part, you know, on, on a few previous episodes I have, and I actually have an episode coming out very detailed about this next topic. And that's one of the mistakes I made in my journey of entrepreneurism and success is I attached my self-worth to my net worth. Mm. And when I, When I lost my million dollar company, when I filed bankruptcy, I turned around, I had 16 cents in the bank. The business partner who had embezzled from me sued me. So now I've got $40,000 worth of legal bills every month. My net worth was pretty low. and My self-worth found an all time new low. And coming out of that was a journey in itself. And, you know, one of the things I see happening is, you know, people have been furloughed. People have lost their jobs. I, I don't know if if you've heard me say this uh, recently. For the past nine months, I, I have said, corporate America, the bear has been poked.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Corporate America has learned very quickly over this over the course of this pandemic that they can do a hell of a lot more with a hell of a lot less. Mm-hmm. And they're going to umbrella it all under covid but reality is they're going to make their their shareholders their stockholders their bottom line very happy because for the cost of a laptop the cost of online and a zoom account and a cell phone they're in business all this overheads going away right and and i think that a lot of people are getting ready to experience I'm predicting a huge wave of furloughing and layoffs that we haven't even seen. So I think there's gonna be this emergence of reluctant entrepreneurs, unknowing entrepreneurs. People are gonna wake up one day and realize this subsidy check I'm getting, this, this federal assistance I'm getting, it's not cutting it. And I've gotta make my own. It's really, really important to identify where your state is, how you are seeing yourself and allowing yourself to feel because reality is any communication that's coming in is gonna create an internal representation. That representation is then gonna dictate our behavior and our behavior will then create our environment. For you, it was on the couch at your mom's and I remember, uh, you wouldn't even talk to me on the phone. We had a messenger conversation, because that's how low you were. Mm-hmm. And for me, I couldn't get out of bed. So, so I, I'd love for you to to share your journey of of you know the rise of the phoenix, so to speak. How you came from so low to to being an influencer and making impacts on you know, tens, hundreds of thousands of people because I've seen you on stage and and you're touching lives and it's only because you allowed yourself to touch your own life.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, it's fascinating as you say that. I I agree, I talk about this from a business perspective all the time, economically speaking. All COVID did was put gas on the fire of what was an inevitability. You know, Mm -hmm. I think there was a recent McKinsey study that said, something like 500 to 800 million jobs are going to be replaced by AI in the next, you know, 10 years, as it is, we already knew that the death of retail was happening. COVID just gave employers gave, you know, big overhead companies an excuse to say, sorry guys, you know, we appreciate your loyalty, but you know, we care about our bottom line more than yours." So if ever there was a time for people to kind of spread their entrepreneurial wings now is the time for sure. But going back, you know, yeah. Not only did I not want to be in that messenger thread with you or anybody else, I spent most of the time on my mom's couch asking two primary questions every day for weeks and weeks, if not months. And it was one of the darkest, scariest places of my life. And those two questions were this one what would be the least painful way for me to kill myself. And two what would be the least painful way for my mom to find me. That was it. That's all I was. That's all I could think about spinning over and over and over again. And I really was at a point where I didn't sleep, I didn't eat, I was just nonstop in a place of deep shame and guilt and anger and resentment and fear and scarcity and disappointment and like you said, you know, a real lack of value. So much of my life up until that point had been spent wearing a mask of ego, a significant need for external validation. So much of who I was, was dependent on what other people said to me and said about me. Mm-hmm. My whole life, I wore this mask of look at me, look at me, look at me. And so when the fantasy world that I built came crashing down, and that's keyword fantasy, it was a fantasy. When the fantasy world came crashing down, I was exposed for the first time in my entire life. And I was exposed to having to look in the mirror and take full responsibility for who I'd been up until that point. And things really started to shift for me when I was at a personal development workshop and I stood in the front of the room and the facilitator that day said something to me that woke my shit up. And I heard you say that before so I feel like I'm okay to say it. You're fine. But he woke me up. He said, Zach, he said, my experience of you is that you're more concerned with looking rich than you are with actually being rich. Mm. He said, you're more concerned with looking rich than you are being rich. And you know how sometimes, Stacey, you just have someone that speaks something into your life, but it's not a it's not speaking, it's more of like a two by four straight to your dome to like just shake your stuff up. Well, that, <laughs> yep. that was that moment for me. And so I started to do some really deep work on who I was being and what were the stories that I was committed to telling myself, and what was the payoff that I was getting from living in this place of ego, from living from this projecting story that says, you know, I'm dumb or I'm not worthy or whatever may be. And what was really fascinating was after a long time of deep investigation, what I came to the realization was, was that I had sabotaged my life on those offers
2: yeah.
0: multiple times because what I was curious about was, am I lovable without money? Mm-hmm. So I would make money and then lose money just to project out the story to identify, am I lovable without money?
2: Yeah.
0: And that was a huge thing for me. So I really started to go to work on what I call dancing with my darkness, learning all of the shadows of who I'd been, taking 100% responsibility for all the results I had had in my life up until that point, and really coming from a perspective of answering a very simple question, which is what's the accountable version of the Stories Act? What actually happened? What was your role? One domino didn't fall just chaotically or randomly. What choices mm-hmm. did you make? that landed you in a place where all you've been thinking about for the last however many months is how to kill yourself. How did you go from being a star athlete, smart kid, good family, well-raised, sure my parents got divorced, but for the most part, all things considered, cakewalk. Regardless of my dad's financial issues, him going broke, whatever, always loved, always taken care of, always supported. Mm -hmm. And here you are with all the privilege and advantages of privilege in the world. And here you are, What's it about? And so when I was willing to look myself in the mirror and take responsibility for who I was being, what I came to the realization of was, okay, so all of this has been a choice unconsciously or otherwise, this has all been a choice. So now who am I committed to becoming? Who am I committed to becoming? And I started to hold myself accountable to a really new version of myself. And that's this. I got really, I started to get really, really clear on the future me the future me, the future me that was, forget the money, forget the money, forget the houses, forget the cars, forget all the shit. The future me that was tranquil and harmonious and feeling good in his body. The future me who could look in the mirror and actually be proud of what he saw. A future of me, a future me who had a depth of relationships, a meaningful connection with a, with a partner, a future me who could trust himself in any situation whatsoever. A future me who was confident in his decision-making, a future me who went from look at me to here I am. And so when I started to get really clear on that future version of me, moving my life forward became a fairly simple process because then what started to happen was I would just simply ask the question, what would the future me choose? What would the future me choose? And so my mom would come in and she'd say, Zach, she goes, I know you're not feeling well today. I know it's been a rough day. I know you saw a movie that triggered trauma or whatever it may be. She goes, but Zach, what can you control right now? What can you control? How can you just put one foot in front of the next? And so for a while, it was going to the gym. It was just focusing on my health. It was just focusing for those for that hour and a half or two hours, just lifting weights where everything faded away. And the only thing that made sense to me was how many reps I could get in, in the gym. But what started to happen, Stacey, and this is the one thing I want to offer to the the people that are listening, is what I found is that when you go to work on controlling one area of your life, ultimately, that work will bleed into other areas of your life. And so that's what I got really, really consistent with was what are the things I can control? Focusing only on what I can control because the universe is chaotic. It's random, right? Pandemic hits right? Furloughs, economic collapses, Texas is freezing over. <laughs> I, like It happens. Mm-hmm. Who do I want to be within a chaotic environment? And what I learned was that who I am being is always going to be more important than what I'm actually doing. Yeah. And so that became one of my mantras and one of my life philosophies. And then I created a little, a little line uh, for myself that I held myself accountable to, and it was just called Wom "WOW." Just a stupid little mantra called Wa WAMW stands for work on myself, work out, work. That's it.
2: Love
0: it. If it didn't fit into those three, one of those three areas for years, I didn't entertain it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That was it. Work on myself, work out, work. I didn't watch TV didn't watch movies. I'd watch some sporting events here and there, but I deep dived into every book I could possibly read. I watched every video I could possibly watch. I went to every personal development workshop I could possibly go to. Yeah. And I just continued to explore and uncover who I'd been up until that point. And the best way I can describe it for those of you that have seen it, and if you haven't highly recommend is the film Shawshank Redemption, yeah. right? And here's this guy that, you know, is wrongfully imprisoned for something he didn't do which is what we do to ourselves. We wrongfully imprison ourselves mm-hmm. in our minds. And he got access to that rock hammer. And he started to chip away at that wall every single day, just little bits, little bits, little bits, until he literally was able to crawl his way through 500 yards of disgusting foul shit. Yeah. And that's the journey of transformation. And that's the reality of it, is a willingness to chip away and chip away and chip away and ask and ask and knock and knock and knock until... And that's really what it's
2: been for me. So Zach, I got to tell you, I, I absolutely love your metaphor, which also just so happens to be your real life. And and I I want to peel back uh, a couple golden nuggets that you just dropped. I want to kind of pick them up and, and wrap them up and present them back to the listeners. You know, first and foremost, the the the, the shame and every other negative emotion that we carry in a backpack reality is everything's not always going to go right and that's okay because whatever happens is exactly that it's just an event that happened and how you allow yourself to react or respond to it's going to determine what the outcome is next right Right. so no matter what feelings or emotions you're struggling with whatever state is consuming you just step back and look at because this will allow you to move through it. If you ignore it, it's just gonna stay on you and become very, very weighted. The the next golden nugget, and this is the one that I really wanna unwrap, is the 100% responsibility of choices you made. You know, reality is most people go through life thinking life is happening to them the people who truly embrace and achieve success realize they make life happen. We're going to make good and bad decisions. We're going to make mistakes and we're going to have good outcomes and bad outcomes. All that happens is an opportunity for us to step back and go, yep, that was a big foul. (laughs) That didn't work. And so what? learn from it. Reality is you're not perfect and nobody should be striving for perfection. We should be striving for excellence. We should be striving to show up the best version of ourselves today. And this is where I get immense pushback from people. Look, I just wanna get better at sales. I wanna get better at closing. I wanna get better at, at that negotiation and steering people into my product, service, and solution. And this is what I tell them. You're the common denominator in your successes and your lack of successes. And reality is where you go, you follow. It's Mm -hmm. the blind spots. It's the don't knows that you don't know that end up crippling you, paralyzing you. It it ends up shutting you down or it ends up creating those sabotage programs that you continue to deploy, that continue to present the learnings to you that you choose to either ignore or not. When you accept 100% responsibility for 100% of your life, that's when you become the victor and the victim no longer exists. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And then the last golden nugget you presented, and I saved this strategically for last, was the mask. So many people show up the way they think people want or need to see them. You know, I use a metaphor for this when I talk about it in training and on stage. Show up who you are, you know, because reality is those, those women who cake on the makeup or the men who show up on their, I'll say on air quotes, best behavior, yeah. right? Reality is this, when you're dating someone, and I'll just use business success as dating, right? When you're dating someone, the more comfortable you get, the more inevitable it is, the real you is going to come out. So why ever engage in any relationship, business or personal, not exposing the real you? Why waste a finite resource of time? So that mask, you you referred to your mask as ego. You referred to your mask as, as several nouns and adjectives through your course of discussion. How did you get comfortable taking it off, dropping it, breaking it, shattering it? Because that mask, that mask is the hardest thing for people to let go of.
0: Yeah. So it's actually interesting that you use the words breaking off, shattering it, things of that nature. I didn't. Hmm. I'm still there. I still have it. We all have shadow and we all have light. So yeah. rather than trying to destroy it or remove it or create some other sort of false identity, I learned to embrace it and love it and understand it and nurture it and give it room to have a conversation with me. So that I can better understand in what ways does this serve me? Are there things I can learn from? How can I get so familiar and so intimately deep with my darkness, my shadow side, such that the next time it starts to expose itself, I recognize it more quickly. That way I'm aware of the red flags. That way my intuition can communicate more clearly so that I take steps towards something that would be a healthier decision than if I just ignore it and hope that it goes away. So what I started to come to the understanding of was all of the blame, all of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the anger, all of the bad decisions, all of the gray area things that I did, who I was being, all of those scars are what make my canvas a masterpiece. Hmm. nice. And when I came to that realization, I was like, that's incredible. And so what then I learned to do, and I left this part out of my story. Maybe you remember this. I used to actually play poker for, yeah. to, to support myself. Yeah. I was a really competitive poker player. And what I learned when I discovered all these things about myself was, wait a minute, in the poker game of life, I'm just going to play with my cards face up. Hmm. I'm just going to play with my cards face up. And that's what I said before. I went from this world of look at me, look at me to here I am. I mean, on my very first date with Eden, I literally laid it all out on the table. I was textbook of what you're not supposed to tell a woman or, or, or a potential partner on a first date right away. I was like, here's who I've been. Here's the money I've blown through. Here's what happened with my ex. Here's what I've done. And here's what I have and haven't done in business. Here's what my relationship has been like with my family in the past. Here's the inner work that I've done. Here's the inner work that I'm doing. Here's the future version of myself that I'm committed to becoming. Here it is, sweetheart, all on the first date. <laughs> This is, this is me with no nice. apologies whatsoever.
2: Nice.
0: None whatsoever. So I think that's been the biggest part for me is the acknowledgement that that mask, that identity, that conditioning, no matter how hard we try, and you know this, no matter how much NLP we do, there's still that filing cabinet. It still has yeah. the ability to present itself. The real key is, the real skill is the identification of that old way of being starting to present itself. And then how quickly can we catch that thought? Can we catch that that internalization of what we're experiencing go, no, 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 no. I recognize that. Last time I chose into that way of being, here's where it ended up on me. Okay, what else is possible in this moment? Yeah. What else is possible in this moment for me to choose into?
2: So I love the direction you took that conversation because for me, my mantra is my Popeye mantra. I am what I am, right? So you either like me or you don't. And I'm okay with that because I am who I am. And I have learned to love myself through the processes because my yesterdays created my todays and my todays are creating my tomorrows. Mm -hmm. And I am always chasing who I want to be. And that's a better version of myself. Mm -hmm. And so many people, it's so funny. People come up to me all the time and they go, can you NLP me? And I go, Ew, do I need a condom? <laughs> Always practice safe NLP, right? There's no such thing as any transformation. It's incapable of being a do-to. It's gotta be a do-with. Yeah. And so many people come up and go, I'm broken. I have never met a broken person. I have met people who have had imprints and programs that don't serve them. I've just never met a broken person, right? So I love that, that you acknowledge the fact that the mask is still there because the program is still there. The story is still a choice, right? You just allow yourself to take those learnings and incorporate them. And the beautiful thing about life is every second of every minute of every hour of every day is a learning. And you can either choose to move through it or carry it, right?
0: You can either learn how to stand on your story or remain stuck in your story.
2: Amen to that.
0: You know, you said something about broken. and I I love that you brought that up. I get so annoyed and frustrated and angry when I hear a lot of gurus or whatever say, like, you've been broken. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, no, incorrect. I was Mm -hmm. never broken. To be very clear, I was never broken. And just a fun reframe for the listeners is, you're never broken, you're being built.
2: Amen. I agree.
0: And that's the reality. I mean, I am where I am today because my world, you know, was, was, was felt like it had been shattered into a million pieces. I was in, I am where I am today because of the fact that I had to grow through those circumstances in my life. I mean, I'm a hundred percent clear on that. A hundred percent. With no room for regret or remorse or anything along those lines because they were pivotal moments in my life. Yeah. So I think to deny our humanity and to deny that we're going to have these moments of fragility, if you will, is one thing, but to, but to, to come to the idea that oh, I've been broken, mm, hardly, no. hardly, no. especially if people understand how infinite they are as
2: well. Yeah. I, absolutely. You know, uh, you, you know my past. Uh, I haven't really dug into it very deep in these episodes yet. Uh, I grew up in a very upper middle class middle America environment, upper upper suburbia. I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. You know, I was raised in the seventies and my dad made a very high six figure business. I was literally the girl next door. Right. And I was, I was uh, what was it? All-star softball, all-star basketball. I mean, I had scholarships until I blew out my knee. I lived a life of hidden perfection so to speak right for my dad what people didn't see was behind closed doors right i was mentally emotionally physically and sexually abused my dad was a diehard alcoholic and you know in school if i got anything less than an a i got beat yeah. with those time sheets remember uh, that you had a uh, hundred addition subtraction multiplication questions and the teacher would give you what was it like i think five minutes to do the sheet of a hundred my dad would sit there with a stopwatch on weekends and i'd have to finish the sheet and get a hundred percent and i had a minute to do it Mm -hmm. and he would have 10 20 30 sheets there and i wasn't allowed outside till i got them all done each in a minute and i i just remember going through this in my life and i remember having you know, therapists tell me how broken I was. And, and uh, it was a transformation class you and I were in together when I realized my, my past never defined me. My past didn't break me, my past created me. And it allowed me to stand on a very solid platform and help make shift happen for myself and put me in a position to where I can impact or make an impact, right? And for me, I just so happen to be really good at business. And I also know and have a belief that where we go, we follow. So everything I do is from a business standpoint. And I also have an understanding that the personal drives the professional so the professional can serve the personal. And for me, I like to wrap complete holistic transformation around success mastering but you got to do the inner work for the outer to ever work mm-hmm. right
0: yeah 100 percent. it's you know i i say this a lot again just on reflecting of what i've experienced and what it sounds like you've experienced obviously and i say this to people all the time and i hope people that are experiencing challenges right now can feel into this and that is that our our circumstances are necessary so that we can light the path of darkness for others yeah like, I'm really convinced of that. I'm really convinced that, like, when you look at Pareto's principle, the 80-20 rule,
2: yeah.
0: I'm really convinced that 80% of why we experience what we experience is so that we can turn around and teach other people how to move through that challenging time. 20% is for us. Yeah. I really believe that because the number of times where I'll be working with somebody and I'll be telling a story or I'll be coaching them, I go, oh, sh- got-, yeah. <laughs> oh sh- okay, got it. Cool. Noted. Thank you.
2: Yeah, Yeah. it's all it's all evolved on the learn to teach model. The more we learn, the more we can do, the more we do, the more we can teach, the more we teach, the more we learn. I will literally be on stage or in front of a class and training or speaking and then just have this huge epiphany, this aha moment, and then I'll stop and I'll look at people and go, excuse me, I get paid to fix my shit. (laughs) And then I just move through it.
0: (laughs) That's great. That's great.
2: So so how has how has personal and professional development and mentoring and coaching helped create your success?
0: Oh, there there would be no success without it. It's okay. undeniable. There's no I, I will I will fight someone to the death on this topic. You cannot outwork your level of personal development.
2: Mm, amen to that. Absolutely.
0: You kinda, I know people that work 17 to 18 hours a day and they're spinning around on a carousel and they can't figure out why. Yeah, And they don't want to, they, they just don't want to look. They just don't want to look. You cannot outwork your level of personal development. I, you know, it was, very, getting into personal development was pretty simple for me because I looked at the results of my life and then I looked at the results of the life that I wanted. And then I just paid attention to what were those people doing and they were doing and reading and thinking things that I wasn't doing reading or thinking. Mm-hmm. And so then I had a mentor that said to me, Zach, if you think like successful people think, if you read what successful people read, if you build businesses like successful people build businesses, if you, you know, if you journal like successful people journal, like what do you think is gonna happen to you, buddy? Like like, you know, it's a blueprint. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now I was skeptical of it because I was like, oh, it's all this woo-woo, blah, blah, blah stuff. But then again, based on results, my way of being and my way of working. Wasn't really working, hmm. you know. So was I open to the possibility of thinking in a different way? And when I came to the very simple rhetorical yes, that's when I dove headfirst into personal and professional development. There's, hmm. there is no in between for me. I love
2: it. I and love I, it. It's so and
0: true. I think that like I talk about this a lot. You know, we're teaching kids the wrong things in school. Hmm. Standardized testing, right? We're, we're we're testing for IQ. Why? It's irrelevant. Emotional intelligence is the only intelligence that matters, especially in today's world, especially.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely, EQ far exceeds IQ.
0: 100% of the time. And that's where personal development becomes everything because it's impossible to raise your emotional intelligence if you're not willing to get deep into hmm. why you experience the emotions that you experience in the way in which you experience them. It's impossible.
2: Yeah.
0: Right? The only way, the only way that we can ever move forward in our lives is by shining a light of awareness on who we've been up until this point in our life. It's the only way, we gotta shine that light and that's what emotional intelligence work starts to do for for people.
2: You know, since you brought up that topic of our school system is doing our young a huge injustice, I I wanna touch on something on that part. Absolutely, EQ is 100 times more important than IQ. I say that to also say our unconscious mind learns off habit. Yeah. So when when we teach it to start, stop, start, stop, that's when just as you start uh, embarking on your journey to success, you're gonna stop because it's a habit that you've ingrained in yourself. Mm-hmm. Going down the rabbit hole of school real quick, one of the things that school ingrains as a habit to our young and carries forward to your adult years is it teaches you to focus on passing, and what happens when you focus on passing? Passing in the school system is seventy percent. Mm-hmm. If you fo- if you study, if you work, if you focus on passing, related re- relate that to your adult life, and that's just getting by. That's living paycheck to paycheck. You're being taught to just make it instead of teaching our kids to pass. Teach our kids to shoot for 100%. Teach our kids to deliver 100% of themselves and show up the best version of themselves every second of every day. Because then, if you shoot for 100% and you miss, you still far exceed passing. Yeah. If you go to make a million dollars this year and you give it all you have to make it, and if you make nine hundred thousand, I'm fairly certain you won't be disappointed yeah right but if you need a hundred thousand to break even get by this year and if you shoot to make a hundred thousand and you miss and you only hit seventy, I'm fairly certain you're going to experience some pain
0: hundred percent totally agree it's um there's a difference between playing to win and playing not to lose.
2: Mm, yeah,
0: there's a big mm. difference between those two things. And the example that you gave of seventy percent—that's playing not to lose.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: I'll do, I'll do just enough, just enough. Yeah.
2: And and then on top of that, you know, I did I did an episode on this uh, several episodes ago. The number one person we lie to the most is ourselves. So we convince ourselves that we worked, I say in air quotes, right, when really all it was was you hopped on to social media, you entered into the Entrepreneurial Witness Protection Program, time sucked your, your productivity, and you were busy and convinced yourself you were working, right?
0: I tell our team all the time, I say you can lie to your friends, you can lie to yourself, but never for a second will your, will your results lie for you.
2: No, <laughs> your bank account does not lie.
0: It's <laughs> never a lie. Results no. never lie.
2: So, so, Zach, welcome to the signature question of the show. And that is, and, and I'm so excited to hear your answer. What is selling without selling mean to you?
0: I think selling without selling, and I've, because I've, I've, I've thought about the name of your podcast for a while, and, and I love it because I always talk about something called the no sell sell. Mm -hmm. right? Which I, which I learned a long time ago. So I just love the name of the podcast to me. Selling without selling is, comes back to who are you being? Who are you being? How are you showing up in the world? What's the essence that you carry? Because we know that 65% of communication for the most part is nonverbal. So how grounded are you? How centered are you? How in alignment with what it is that you're selling? Are you? How convicted are you in your belief that you have the ability to transfer that kind of energy into another person such that they feel like, you know what, I trust this person simply based on their essence. It's not the scripts. It's not the closing techniques. All of those are important. They're mechanics though. The essence of who we are being to me is selling without selling. It's the introduction to a person and you look at them and you connect with them and you look in the eye and you go, I don't know what it is about this person, but I want to be in business with them. There's a strength, there's a confidence, there's a sense of this person knows who they are. And because they know who they are, I will trust that. An old adage, of course, we do business with people that we know, like, and trust. Well, if you want people to know you, like you, and trust you, then selling without selling means you must first know yourself, like yourself, and trust yourself.
2: I love that, thank you. Thank you. So, welcome to the random round, Zach. See, I believe that success leaves clues, and I like to ask questions to uh, my successful guests so that they can answer them. Our listeners can extract anything that resonates with them and then apply to self. So, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. I might throw you a curveball and ask you a third one, and there's there's a reason why. I'll tell you in a minute. So, first and foremost, uh, what's your morning routine look like?
0: What's so I actually don't have a morning routine. I don't call it a morning routine, and here's why. So I'm a really big believer that word matter. And when I think about the word routine, I think about rote in nature. It's structured, yes, and it's disciplined, yes, but inevitably, something that is routine can then also become something that we resist or that we resent. So rather than having a morning routine, I have a morning ritual. And the reason I choose the word ritual because the word ritual carries a depth of spirit to me, in my opinion, it's holy in nature, it's sacred. It's not just the something I do every single morning because it's a task that I have to do.
2: Zach, can you hold on? You froze on me. You froze to the whole answer. No, 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 you're fine. As soon as, as soon as you moved your laptop, everything froze and then you got garbled. So you, you seem, you, well, no, you froze again. I was going to say, you seem to be moving, but then you stopped. Uh, am I okay now? Uh, you're not moving, but I can hear you. You're no longer garbled.
0: So weird. Do you want me to log back out and log back in, or my, no,
2: no, my no, no? I think you're uh, well. You just froze again. Shit. <laughs> um, move again. I think you're okay now. All right, you're okay. Okay. So, so yeah. So, so let's let's. I'll ask that question again. Seth will just wipe all this out. So, so Zach, I'm really curious. What's your morning routine look like?
0: Okay. So I um. I actually don't love the term morning routine. Um, and here's why. To me, words carry a lot of meaning and a lot of power. Mm-hmm. And um, so when you look at the word routine, it's, it's essentially rote in nature. It's, it's structured, it's inflexible, it's task-oriented. And mm-hmm. although those things can be beneficial, eventually a routine becomes boring. Yeah. And if something becomes boring, we then are likely to resent it. And mm-hmm. more than anything, we're likely to stop doing it. Because now, if it's a routine, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do inside of my routine, well, now I'm a failure. So what's the point of doing it anyway? So rather than using the word routine, I focus on having a morning ritual. And what that does is it creates a lot more runway for me. But when you look at the word ritual, a ritual is sacred. It's almost holy in nature. It's something that's grounded in a very, very spiritual and ethereal uh, uh, nature, if you will, at least for me, that's it. how I interpret the word. No, ritual. I love
2: it. I love it.
0: So my morning ritual for the most part, and it's flexible, right? It's mm-hmm. flexible. But for the most part, um, I don't set an alarm. Uh, I wake up most mornings, uh, probably around like five, five I'm not a part of the 5.00 AM club. It's not about that for me. I just, my alarm clock goes off and I wake up, mm-hmm. uh, I go downstairs, I make coffee, um, I do some light stretching just to kind of get my body up and moving a little bit, just real gentle, like real gentle stretching while the coffee brews. And then I go into my little corner where I've got my little reading chair and I, uh, I'll either spend some time journaling, but then no matter what I'll read, I'll read a good, you know, 10, 15, 20, or 30 pages. Uh, and then Eden and I have what we call sacred couples time. So our phones are still away. We're not on our phones. We connect, we just check in. How did you sleep? How are you feeling? And we just have that moment between the two of us where it's just creating that really sacred grounded energy. And then I take myself through a little process that I love. Um, And I do this most days, but not as consistently as I probably could, like anything, right? Mm -hmm. I ask myself the question, how do I wanna feel today? Mm -hmm. How do I wanna feel today? And then there's a second part of that conversation, which is this. If you take a step back and you look at it, for the most part, I think we could all agree that we live in essentially four different realms, right? We live in the physical realm, the spiritual realm, the intellectual realm and the emotional realm.
2: Yep.
0: Those are pretty, more or less, we can give them different names, but for the most part, those are the four key areas that we live our lives in. So I ask myself the question, how do I want to feel today? And let's say that I come up with the word energized. Today I want to feel energized, great. What can I do today physically to help me feel energized? What can I do today intellectually spiritually and emotionally to feel energized and I get really clear on what those things can be and the reason I start my day like that every day is so that no matter how much chaos might happen within the day no matter how many fires I put out as long as I find time to do those four activities I have the ability to stay grounded in that core desired feeling for the day and that always helps bring back to center so that's a big part of my ritual
2: no, I love it, and I think I'm gonna change mine from routine to ritual. I absolutely love that, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. My second random round question to you is, uh, what's your favorite word and why? Ooh. I know for philosophy major, this is a lot.
0: Well, <laughs> admittedly, my favorite superficial word, and it is the license plate on our car, is leverage.
2: Ooh, I like it.
0: Leverage is one of my, I mean, leverage is my favorite, favorite word. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, there's a lot, there's a lot. It's a really, that's, a, that's a tough question for me because I, I really yeah. like, it. but I think, um, I think
2: choice. Love that. Why is choice The favorite word for you?
0: Because that's what separates us from every other animal on the planet.
2: Yeah, that and our thumbs. <laughs>
0: Pretty much yeah. you, know, a, a, you know a lion doesn't wake up one day decide and decide to be vegan can't do yeah. that
2: <laughs> yeah. right
0: can't do that but i think choice is a big word for me um truth is a big word for me integrity is a big word for me integrity is a really really big word for me
2: huge word for me too yeah.
0: It's a huge one for me um those are, those are the big ones, I think, for me. Freedom, but, but freedom is a, just a word to me, like the experience of freedom is important to me, obviously, but I think those are probably my, my big ones.
2: I love it. So oh, now- sorry,
0: My bad, I have a tattoo. What also, is it? Surrender. Oh. Also surrender.
2: Oh, I love that. I love that word. Okay, so now the curveball I'm gonna to throw to you for the random round. And I love asking this question to people who I know are book junkies. Because I like to watch your neurons fry when I ask it. What's your favorite book and why? <laughs> not fair to ask me that question. No.
0: This, 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 this little bookshelf here, and if you really see it. This, this is like a third of my book. This is nothing. Um, <laughs> oh. maybe, can I give a couple? Is that okay? Yeah,
2: absolutely. All
0: right. It's just not fair. Okay. Um, uh, the Untethered Soul.
2: Mm, I love that book.
0: The Untethered Soul the big leap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and loving what is by Byron Katie.
2: Oh, I haven't read that book yet.
0: Yeah. Loving what is by Byron Katie.
2: Okay.
0: Um, those are probably my big three and then asking that's given the one I referenced before, you know, fundamental one for me. It's hard to say what's one book, because I actually, a lot of people, they'll say to me, what book should I read right now? Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite little fun things to do is to recommend a book based on where someone's at in their journey. So, at times, asking it's given as you know the most important book I've ever read. Other times, it's the Big Leap. Other times, it's Secrets in the Millionaire Mind. Yeah, that's the beauty of books is they you know they meet us at different places in our in our lives at, at different for different seasons and whatnot.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I got I was on a podcast interview and uh, I got asked that question and I fried. I mean, I felt every neuron in my brain pop because when when I was traveling, you know pre-COVID, I probably listened to 10 books a month, probably read four or five books a month. You know, now I'm probably, because I I don't have as much air time now or, or or windshield time, now I probably listen to two or three books a month and I probably read one or two books a month. And I got asked that and I had a bookshelf behind me of probably a thousand books. I probably have Four thousand books in my garage. I probably have I don't know fifteen hundred on my Kindle and maybe another thousand on my Audible. And I'm sitting there frying, going, "How do I answer this?" (laughs) So I think I think for me, the journey of transformation started with Peaceful Warrior. Mm. The journey of a peaceful warrior. The whole Dan Millman series for me really made me go, "Holy crap! The itty bitty shitty committee is a real thing." So, you know, Zach, I, I, have, I have loved talking with you on the show. I've loved having you on the show. I know that you just got back from a trip, and I truly appreciate you, you taking time out with us today. If our listeners want to reach out to you, connect with you, or follow you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well,
0: before I say I have to give a little caveat. I despise the term Follow. And even though it's what the social media gods have decided on, I don't want anyone following me anywhere. There you go. (laughs) You are more than welcome, I've reframed it, you are more than welcome to walk beside me.
2: There you go. uh,
0: On Instagram, at Zach Slobin, probably the simplest thing, or Facebook, same thing, you know, simple.
2: That's awesome, great. So thank you so much, Zach Slobin. We'll put that in the, uh, we'll make sure that's in our our show notes, okay? and reality is this, Zach, uh, you are phenomenal, always have been, always will be. I, I adore and am blessed you in my life. It's been phenomenal talking with you today. Your success is important to me, and it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do a few things right now. I'd love for you to hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. That's hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, I'd love it if you'd head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. We have an immense amount of interaction on both platforms. We also share different information on both platforms. So we look forward to seeing you there. Last and definitely not least i love to chat with you, give feedback on the episodes, and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this podcast more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success you've always dreamed of, desired, and deserved. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com talk to stacy That's pivotpointadvantage.com talk to stacy Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. I look forward to getting to know you.